What are the three key fantasy football questions surrounding the 2023 Arizona Cardinals? It's time to break down that team right here and right now as we get into another week, another edition of Locked On Fantasy Football. You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Ironman. I'm not doing this. I'm learning about NFL and fantasy football for sportingnews.com. Here we continue on with our series looking at all 32 teams, asking the three key questions we want to get as much answers to here ahead of training camp. We're to the NFC West, so we've gone through three divisions there, NFC East, NFC North, NFC South, now we're closing the conference with a look at the division out there in the West with the Arizona Cardinals, Los Angeles Rams, San Francisco 49ers, and Seattle Seahawks. That's the spotlight division of this week as we try to get to all 32 teams here before training camp, which we will, and we'll break down in depth for you on this show. So if you missed any of the episodes, uh, starting with the Dallas Cowboys there in this series, uh, check it out. We've got already uh, 12 teams down, 20 more to go, including the four teams from the NFC West uh, for you this week. We'll try to shed light on the most uh, pressing issues. Really, uh, we want to know as fantasy football players before we start thinking about the players and then finally drafting them in August in our redraft leagues. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash on today to get started. All right, the first team up in this division by alphabetical order is the Arizona Cardinals, really the first team in the NFC there with the AZ. And the Cardinals do have some key questions. Number one, how healthy is Kyler Murray? We're not quite sure, but he tore his ACL in December. The recovery period has been pretty good, but it's a new coaching staff, new general manager. They're trying to play it very cautiously here. So, they're not trying to rush Kyler Murray back because why would you? He's your big investment. If you're new coaching staff and front office, you want to make sure that your quarterback that you paid a ton of money to is going to be ready to go before you risk further injury with him on the field. So they're taking their time. There's a very good chance that Kyler Murray starts the preseason beyond training camp on the physically unable to perform list. That would put him on the shelf for a while for multiple weeks, maybe cutting into the regular season. Colt McCoy has had some surgery of his own. His elbow, he is expected to start early in the season. David Blau is the third stringer, so he would be an option right now unless they went out and got a quarterback that you'd say is an option for the Cardinals. So let's look at uh, Kyler Murray from last year and see how high he scored. QB 19 overall. This is after he tore his ACL. QB 7 in terms of average points per game. So it's a pretty big year that way as a QB1 finishing in the top 12. He's now ranked QB23, factoring in the injury risk and not knowing when he'll return to the field and be at full speed here in 2023. So I have to say some numbers were more inconsistent for Kyler Murray last year. He's not running as much. We've seen those totals drop the past couple of seasons uh, into the 400s. That's not good. And he's not a, as big of a threat to score in the red zone ever since James Conner came 
into the mix. And Connor had a big scoring year in 2021, not as much in 2022 when they just didn't score, period. Without Murray, it was a bit of a struggle here. So when you look at Kyler Murray, I think he's a little bit more volatile than other quarterbacks, and he's not that surefire running guy anymore, right? When you have rushing totals that are closer to Geno Smith than, say, a Lamar Jackson, that's a little bit concerning. I mean, you have other running quarterbacks that are on the way to merge. Uh, Josh Allen is a factor there. You know, Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields. So Kyler Murray just looks not going to say he's a pocket quarterback that's not going to run a lot, but he's not that elite dynamic high volume runner we want at this position to really inflate a value. Now QB seven is still pretty good here and he did run quite a bit in that time. But again, he was a big durability risk to the point he plummeted outside of the QB ones really well into the QB twos there. So pretty risky, very inconsistent, much more so than 2020 where he was pretty solid every week. You could count on a certain amount of rushing yards, the two TD mark was always attainable in some combined fashion. And the passing yardage was pretty big. Now the passing has declined. Yards per attempt has not been good. He's missed time. The weapons are now limited. He doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins. Remember that was his big blow up year to have Hopkins in the mix as his number one receiver. Now he's going to fight through Hollywood Brown as his number one. Does he profiles that or he's more of a big play throughout the outside there, and we know that Hollywood had a key role when Hopkins was suspended. So there was uh, that sense, but the numbers just weren't there. So look at that. Then December is a shaky timeline for running quarterback. How healthy is he going to be and be able to run? Is he going to be adamant about being a pocket passer? Are they going to be more lenient with that? Now, the one thing to notice about this Cardinals offense, it's not barring from the Eagles. Uh, they are really barring from the Browns offense. That means run heavy traditionally and then setting up the quarterback for short to immediate passes. So going away maybe from the spread formations and really taking the ball downfield. I don't think that's going to be Kyler Murray's strength here. And they also don't have the depth right now, right? Without DeAndre Hopkins, you're looking at three receivers that when you go into that set for 11 personnel, Marquise Holly Brown, Rondell Moore, and Greg Dortch are your top three receivers. And there's a little bit limitation in that group, right? I mean, a few small guys and maybe speed and quickness, but not necessarily that big target downfield. So I think you'll see using the open field, short passes, you'll see a little bit more 12 personnel, I think, with also Trey McBride and Zach Ertz at tight end. I just don't see a lot of upside here for Kyler Murray. I think he is a QB2, however you slice it. I think if he's healthier, you bump him up a little bit there from QB23. He's a solid guy and he has some upside but you cannot go in feeling great that okay Kyler Murray is somewhat healthy we're good to go with him as a QB1 you really need to have a backup plan that's strong we've talked about some of those other quarterbacks that are sleepers including Kenny Pickett or uh, Derek Carr can they put up some numbers that are a little bit steadier here in the pocket that if you want to take the risk on Murray and the upside and maybe he taps back into that 2020 production then you can go that way but you have to have a steady other starter that you can look at it can count on for durable play here Kirk Cousins might fall into that category Jared Goff might do so you might draft one of those guys first and then take a shot at Kyler Murray later depending on what we get for his health progress but QB 23 says very conservative with his health not very optimistic that he'll be available early in the season to help in reality or fantasy football so a lot of things in play with Kyler Murray, but the bottom line is, look, are you going to draft him as a QB1? No. Are you going to draft him as low as QB23? Probably not, but I'm still going to be very careful. There's too many alternatives here in the running quarterback realm, 
in a quarterback that's going to be on a bad team that's going to throw a lot and put up some volume in that way and produce with the arm that I just can go in different directions away from Kyler Murray. Again, that's not to say I'm going to stash him and look for the upside, but I don't want to spend a lot of high value uh, targeting him as a sleeper and think I'm sneaking away with a QB1 when very much you could feel him busting as much as booming. I mean, even dropping below that QB23 in terms of his final finish. So, yes, just the quarterback landscape has changed a lot. I think a lot of it has to do with Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields coming to play as a little bit better runners of that position. You've got Justin Herbert uh, on the upswing here and some other guys that will rebound, such as Lamar Jackson. So it's just not a high investment Kyler Murray. And just be careful. Don't get too cute and trying to draft him and think you're getting a steal as a QB1 in the form of a well-buried QB2. All right, there you have a look at the first key question surrounding Kyler Murray. We want to know how healthy he is. How much do we want to factor that in in the risk-reward with them? That's a good question. We're still waiting to find out, but I would err on the side of uh, caution, just like the Cardinals are with him in reality. We're going to follow in fantasy. Speaking of fantasy, we know that FanDuel has been great at that aspect, but FanDuel is also the number one sports book in America. That's right. Uh, You can't go wrong with the action there on FanDuel. And uh, now there's a really good offer for you. As we wait for the NFL games of the season to come, you might be looking at futures. Baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers will get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash lockdown to join today. Really good action there. I look at my team, the Cardinals, uh, not very good season for them so far, but a pretty good series for them against the Mets over the weekend. They're going to turn their attention to the Nationals, so maybe some action between two teams that have the worst record in the NL. Maybe some ways to get value there. You've also seen some good matchups here, but definitely there's some surprises at MLB. We see what the Texas Rangers are doing. The Tampa Bay Rays have been outstanding. Now we have the Giants and Reds making a lot of noise here in the NL with some young players. So it's an exciting time to get in on MLB action, especially on FanDuel as we get closer to the All-Star break. So don't miss your chance to snag that no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash lockdown to sign up. FanDuel, official sponsor of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, it is that time to continue the show here on Locked On Fantasy Football. We're breaking down the Arizona Cardinals and the three key questions that we would like answers to for fantasy football in 2023. We're Locked On Fantasy Football. Subscribe and follow for free wherever you get your podcasts, including on YouTube. We're part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Every day, is, uh, that means that tomorrow we'll look at the Los Angeles Rams going down. So we'll go from Arizona to Los Angeles then finish with the double S's San Francisco and Seattle with the 49ers and Seahawks. So breaking down this division in full here in the NFC West before we move on to the teams in the AFC, starting with the much-anticipated battle, maybe a three- or four-team battle in the AFC East. All right, now let's turn our attention to a key question in the Cardinals' passing game. They have 217 vacated targets, the fifth most in the NFL. And here's the question we want answered. Is Marquise Brown going to take advantage of this to be a potential wide receiver one? All right. We know the guy that was let go here recently, DeAndre Hopkins. He was looking at the Titans and Patriots, potentially joining them. 98 targets he got last year, even with the time 
away. 47 for A.J. Green, who decided to retire. They also had one chosen Anderson. He was not choice. He had only 17 targets. So those were the main guys at wide receiver who are gone. Now we look at uh, how the distribution was with the guys that are now the top three receivers. 107 for Marquise Hollywood-Brown to lead the team. But interesting, Hopkins really pushed towards his number with lesser playing time. I know Brown also missed some time. So those are pretty close between those two guys treated as code number ones in terms of targets. You had a look at 64 targets for Greg Dortch. He came in there behind uh, Hopkins and Brown, but ahead of A.J. Green, who's now gone. And now you had Rondell Moore right behind Dortch with 56 targets. So very interesting receiving core, not very inspiring. Let's look at where Marquise Hollywood-Brown finished. Wide receiver 46 overall with that missed time of the injury. But he finished as a solid wide receiver three, wide receiver 32 on the board. Fell there even with the return of Hopkins, even with the decline of Murray and not pl- playing well, passing well in particular. Wide receiver 33 is his ranking. It's all in half point PPR according to the expert consensus. Now you look beyond that, uh, Rondell Moore is at 55. Greg Dortch is at 120. These guys were really buried last year behind Hopkins and Brown. Not much to see there in the Cardinals receiving core for fantasy football value. Now, the guys that are replacing Hopkins, Green, and Anderson, you have Michael Wilson, he's a rookie. You have Zach Pascal coming over from the Eagles. He played with the Colts. And Andre Bacalia is also in the mix there as well. So not a lot of experience or reliable targets behind Brown, Dorch, and Moore. Now, this might say, okay, Dorch or Moore might be a sleeper. But again, if we're shaking on Kyler Murray in the past game, if McCoy has to start or even you see David Blau, it's going to be a little worrisome there. So when we look at also a tight end last year, Zach Ertz and Trey McBride, as he worked in as a youngster behind the venerable veteran, 108 combined targets there. So there's definitely a certain amount of vacated targets that you figure are going to be distributed more between Brown, Dorch, and more. You'll see some of the younger receivers step up as well. So Anderson and Green's uh, numbers would seem to go to those guys. There, I don't know if you'll see a big spike for Dorch or Moore, but then you have those 96 targets available for Hopkins. So you figure some of them are going to go to Marquise Brown as you see him uh, bump up his targets. Then you have Dorch and Moore getting a little bit more, but not significant. I could see Ronda Moore definitely getting more targets than Dorch this year. So when we look at all that, I mean, Marquise Brown, the other key factor is that Kyler Murray needs to be his quarterback to maximize his value because of that Oklahoma connection, the big playability, we know it's there. The chemistry is real. So that's very important here for Brown, is how many games can he get with Kyler Murray quarterback. Now, that would still say his number of wide receiver three near the bottom, wide receiver 32 finish on average last year and a half point to just dropping him one spot to wide receiver 33 doesn't quite make sense, right? You figure this offense is going to be a little bit different. And if the running is down for Murray and McCoy is still the guy quarterback or Blau, I still think they'll give Marquise Hollywood Brown the clear number one target treatment because we know Dorch and Moore are a little bit similar, smaller type receivers. Brown is the one guy with the speed on the outside to make things happen here. So, again, it all lines up where Brown should be busier. So I'm not going to say banging the table and say Marquise Brown, all those targets are gone from Hopkins. He's got to shoot up as the number one. That's not going to happen just because I don't trust this uh, passing offense altogether in transition here with a new offensive coordinator comes from Cleveland and they ran a lot there. We'll break that down for you with James Conner and what we expect from him in our final segment there. And really I just don't have a lot of great vibes about Marquise Brown, but I'm not going to 
Murray him as a wide receiver three. I think there's too much opportunity available as Murray would come back at some point. We think he could miss up to a month, but when he comes back, there's still a lot of games for Hollywood to play with his uh, former star Oklahoma quarterback there. So I'm feeling good about it where I'm going to bump him up more to that wide receiver two status or a high end wide receiver three. So not get crazy with Marquise Brown, but I think this is a little bit undervalued in terms of his ranking uh, based on his finish last year and based on the upside he has to collect more targets and be more effective overall with Hopkins gone in Arizona. All right. Those are T two key questions. We'll get to the three key questions here in our final segment. It's going to be about James Connor. So uh, spoiler alert there. We want to break down what his role could be here in this new offense that uh, comes over from Cleveland. So a lot of good stuff here to break down with the Arizona Cardinals Thanks again for making Lockdown Fantasy Football your first listen every day. Again, we will be looking at the Rams, 49ers, and Seahawks the rest of the week. Subscribe, follow for free wherever you get your podcasts. We're part of Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day, your fantasy football team every day. It's time to close the show and ask that key question about James Conner. Can you trust James Conner as a potential RB1 workhorse? Now let's look at his numbers, shall we, from where they were with that big year in 2021. And really, it was uh, quite impressive. He still finished his RB20, even with the touchdown regression that we expected. But in terms of average points per game and half-point PPR, RB10, he's now ranked at RB23. So we knew he was not going to duplicate that massive season he had 2021 when he had the 18 touchdowns but let's look at his numbers from last year even with some missed time 1,082 scrimmage yards and eight TDs that is not bad if he had uh, looked at it uh, for a whole season then those numbers really jump up they go up to 902 rushing yards you get nine TDs there total you get 1,248 total yards, 346 receiving. So that's not much different. When you look at those numbers there, yes, the touchdowns are down, but 1,127 yards and 18 touchdowns a year before. So he was actually more productive yardage-wise from scrimmage when you look at the averages there for James Conner. So, yes, in essence, he was a more effective, more used back last year than he was the year before. The only difference was touchdowns, right? Touchdowns are volatile. We know that from one season next, but that was not a wimpy number. Eight TDs is a significant amount, especially when you don't play the full season and you would have projected to nine. So nine touchdowns is nothing to sneeze at here at your running back spot if you're looking for an RB2, and that's all we were looking for. We knew the touchdowns were not going to duplicate themselves at 18. They rarely do for any running back. So, But look at the return you got. You got an RB20. When you look at the overall big picture, you got still an RB1 when you finished in the top 12 in the average scoring. So when he was out on the field for your fantasy team, he produced on a level close to what you saw in 2021. And when you look at the Cardinals, you have 91 vacated carries. The culprits here that are gone, Eno Benjamin and Daryl Williams. So those two guys are the missing carries from this equation. Keontae Ingram returns. He's the number two. You have Corey Clement. He's number three. And just not a lot here of depth behind James Conner. And they didn't really invest much to say, okay, we've got guys we want to compete with James Conner. And part of it, I think that he's in the last year of his contract. He's still below 30 here, 28 years old. 
And you look at the running numbers from last year, well, they only ran 38% of the time. That should go up. Part of it was Kyler Murray not running as much. But when you look at the new offense, again, barred from the Browns and a lot of the concepts they had there, 48% of the time they ran in Cleveland. So that's a good chunk of maybe 10% more opportunities here that rise up in the carry. So if, let's look at the 10% bump there. Then you're looking at a potential of, 100 carries still to be distributed. So more chances for Connor if they raise the volume there. So touches should go up for James Connor If he can stay healthy and get reasonable touchdown opportunities, that's going to be the question. Again, that's not all his fault. He's a finisher there. So he needs some help from the rest of the offense to get there with those numbers. But Connor should get the majority of those opportunities if they're reducing what Murray's going to do and don't want him to take some hits inside the red zone, especially inside the 10, inside the 5. Don't want to have him do that coming off the torn ACL. So it really lines up well for James Conner. You figure if it's Colt McCoy early, they're going to lean on the run more. I think they'll lean on the run, period, because they have had the spread and the Cliff Kingsbury style of passing. They're going to, of course, go the opposite direction with that. So they upgraded their offensive line, add someone in the middle there So with Paris Johnson Jr., the rookie. So they're going to look at it. Look, we need to power on the ball. We got two tight ends here, Ertz and McBride, that are pretty good together to get on the field. Maybe a little bit more 12 personnel, given the limited depth at wide receiver that doesn't go very comfortably behind Brown, Dorch, and Moore. So everything lines up. So if we're going to be a little bit lukewarm about giving Marquise Brown a bump up from where he was in the rankings and put him just around wide receiver three, two borderline, we're really bullish on James Conner here based on all the numbers. I think he's being severely undervalued as an RB23 and half point PPR. There's just too much that says he's going to touch the ball. And the Cardinals are kind of giving away a lot of that, that Connor's going to be the guy running the ground. Now, there's a little bit of risk and durability with a lot of running backs. I think Connor is that perceived guy, and some people fade him too much based on that. But again, the last two years says he's been on the field, they've compensated him well, they use him well. And I think that will continue and actually be improved here in the new style of offense that's going to be more reminiscent of the Browns and the usage of Nick Chubb here in 2023. There you have it. There's a breakdown of the three key questions about the 2023 Arizona Cardinals for fantasy football that we uh, did our best to answer. It's a lot of in-depth analysis there for you as uh, we'll find out more as the installs happen and uh, training camp and all that. But definitely some signs it's pointing in one direction with the quarterback wide receivers and running back this year thanks again for making locked on fantasy football your first let's stay subscribe and follow for free wherever you get your podcast every day tomorrow we'll take an expanded extended look at the los angeles Rams. so good stuff there for locked on fantasy football this has been Vinny Iyer. if you missed any of the teams check it out on our archives only at locked on fantasy football